Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HBIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HBIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HBIC are pursuing discipleship. In other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, I sit down again with Lois Saylor uh, to kind of pick her brain about um, what discipleship is and means to her, especially around the distinction between like being and doing. So in some sense, uh, being with Jesus and just kind of experiencing him versus doing, doing stuff for Jesus, serving him, the kingdom, serving those around us. The tension between being and doing, um, we get to know a little bit of how this plays out in the church and, and how Lois would see it happening and, and in our own life as well. Really good conversation um, around kind of discipleship. She's uh, a very smart person who's thought a lot about this, so was excited to be able to pick her brain about it. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Lois Saylor. Well, let's get right into it. Lois Saylor, welcome. Hi, Ryan. It's been so long since we last talked. Definitely wasn't three seconds ago. No, when it's finished been minutes. Recording. It's been at least it's minutes. At least been at least minutes. Uh, you had a little something where you want to talk. So let me let me ask you. Um, let me ask you this simple question that a lot of this podcast is going to be centered around, which is, uh, what is discipleship, um, and how do you conceive that? Okay. When I think of discipleship, I, I mean, I think very simplistically at first, and it's just following Jesus. I mean, literally, that's what the disciples did. They walked around. They followed him. Um, and I, in my mind, I break that down into two parts. Um, you know, it's, it's being and doing. So what is your being? Who are you in character, you know, in thought? Um, and, and doing, we can't just be and we can't just do. It has to be both. But I think foundational to that is um, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to learn who he is and we have to learn what he says and what he, what he taught us. And I, I love the Bible story of the choice of Mary. And most people know that story. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus when he's in her home and, and Martha's running around doing things. Um, but Jesus commends Mary's choice. And he says it's the better choice. And so while there are different ways of learning who Jesus is and, and learning about him, there is the discipline of just sitting down and learning. I mean, I think you can learn who Jesus is by doing. You know, I think serving um, or you know, we talked about walking in nature and that kind of thing. There are other ways to get to know Jesus, but it doesn't. But I, I still think biblical knowledge and study is foundational and essential, even if you can also learn about Jesus in other ways, just by interacting with people, by helping people, by serving. Um, there are other ways, but I, I don't think any of those other ways undercut the need to study Scripture. And I just love the fact that Mary was commended, and he said she's chosen the better thing. Um, and that's just for everybody, although there is a huge um, validation of women being able to sit 
and learn at the feet of Jesus and, and be disciples also in, in full equality um, with men. So that's there in the story too. Um, Hot take alert. <laughs> but just that idea of, of she, she wanted to sit and learn from Jesus. And, and I can't literally go sit in front of him today, but I can sit with his word. And so being in the word is, is to me foundational and essential. Um, but I also will allow for all the other ways that people can learn about Jesus too. I don't want to, you know, cut all that off. But however it looks for you to, to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus, that's the, the core central thing for you in discipleship. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. And it, and again, I, I don't think you, I think you, I think that's part of being, learning is part of being, but learning is also has to inform your doing. And I don't think we can just be, I think we have to do too. Um, I think there might be some people called to more being <laughs> if, if you're a, contemplative nun somewhere and sure. you take a vow of silence and you're, I, I think there's a place for that if God calls you to that. Um, but I think most of us, he wants us to be doing things too, not just learning things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, uh, I, I kind of want to push back just slightly okay. on the interpretation of the Mary and Martha passage. And okay. I, I think you would agree, hopefully. Um, I don't think the lesson we should take from that is that being is good and doing is bad, right? Uh, and draw and draw. That's what you're saying. Not drawing a strict dichotomy between right. the two. You could probably re- there's a reading of that passage where you say, well, it's not like Mary was just being and sitting at Jesus's feet, and Martha was busy doing Jesus's will out in the world and working for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like the rebuke might partly be like, is Martha just uh, busy with? stuff she doesn't need to be busy with <laughs> is her issue to impart what she was doing. Yeah. And, and I think perhaps how she was doing it. She was mm-hmm. worried about many things. Right. You know, so she wasn't, she wasn't taking pleasure in baking her bread or setting her table or making her stew or whatever. She wasn't doing she, it for Jesus necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's Brother Lawrence who said he washes dishes to the glory of God mm-hmm. and I haven't reached that height of spirituality that when I'm washing dishes, I can think, oh, this is for the glory of God. Um, no, it's just to get them out of my way. But um, but it, it's how you're doing things, right. too, I think, too. And I, I think Martha does often get, like, the the bad image here because Mary is commended and has chosen the better thing. But I also think that Martha is the one who ran out to meet Jesus and... It was to Martha that he said and revealed, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, that's a huge thing that Martha got to experience, you know, because Mary was sitting back at the house. She was being back there and Martha was running out to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, right. And a hundred percent chance that Jesus despite offering that rebuke, totally ate the dinner that Martha, yeah. <laughs> Martha prepared and provided, right? Like he's, yeah. he wasn't going hungry that night. Yeah. It and was it, more so that uh, she was choosing doing at the, expense of, at the expense of being when she didn't need to. You know, it was a false choice. Like he was there 
um, there's a doing, there's a version of doing where we're neglecting the being, and maybe that's what she was doing a little bit. Right. And um, in my Christian feminist um, vogue, I could say, uh, yeah, and maybe if she wasn't so busy doing all that stuff and she sat down too, maybe some of the men would have had to get up and start helping with the domestic things. I mean, uh, sounds you know, doubtful but, to yeah. me, but I guess you can try. <laughs> and that, that, that I will readily admit is me imposing um, on scripture. Uh, <laughs> but it's, a, it's one of those thoughts you can have that I think you can think it and kind of run with it a little bit and see where it goes. Do you know what I mean? Without having to say, ah, oh, the Bible says this, you know, it's yeah. well, the Bible kind of made me think about this. What, what do I do with that thought? How, how is that a legitimate thought? I think um, we can say hundred percent. If Martha had said, I'm not making dinner, I'm sitting in feet of Jesus. And it was left to Peter to make dinner happen. Then they would in fact have starved <laughs> or they would have been asking for a miracle. And they're like, Hey, I, Jesus, I managed <laughs> This one peanut butter and jelly. Can you? Can you? Uh, yeah. Well, that's one way to cook, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Does that not count? Well, um, I mean, just multiply it. That would be. In, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Make one noodle, and then <laughs> we're getting off the rails here. We but, are. We are. Um, but see, I, I think I think in one way that's okay. I think that's where again, when you talk about imagination and creative imagination taking you different places, yeah. That's silly to think that that we should depend on Jesus. Like, I'll make one peanut butter jelly sandwich and want Jesus to multiply it for the rest of my children so they all have one. I mean, that's not how it works. Um, but I think it's okay to just think about those things. Mm-hmm. And who knows where those thoughts can take you, even if it's like, yeah, that's really not the way to think. You know what I mean? Like, okay, just stop it, Lois. You, you can't go there, and you should... Make all your children peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Right. Do you know? But part of your being with Jesus is the freedom to creatively imagine and think along those lines. And I think there's probably a good parallel between you and Mary in that story <laughs> in terms of Mary was uh, blissfully unconcerned with overthinking it or with mm-hmm. mitigating factors or her sister huffing and puffing behind her. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm with Jesus in this reckless abandoned kind of way and it, it it's reminded me now too of sabbath you know there are times when you're called away from those daily chores and you know mary took maybe a little tiny sabbath to sit at jesus's feet and martha could have too and probably at some point they both would have gotten up and and done the doing <laughs> Yeah. You know, after being. Yeah. Um, And maybe with a better attitude. (laughs) Right. There's there's a um, important kind of synthesis or symbiosis between the being and the doing that we need to hold on to. We need both of those things. Right. And I would say as Anabaptist Christians, it's not a particular innovation of ours, but historically we've insisted upon the doing as a crucial element of discipleship. Um, so I do think it's important and we want to, we want to, you know, we want to insist upon the being and maybe, uh, maybe the BIC needs to hear like being is important, you know, maybe these, you know, this church that sprang out of German farmer culture, like needs to, uh, hear the word, like you can stop doing sometimes and you're not the sum total of what you're putting into the world with your hard work. But, 
Um, on the other hand, um, it's, it's, it might sound obvious, but I do think it needs to be said that following Jesus involves following Jesus <laughs> and <laughs> obeying him in our actions and with our lives, mm-hmm. you know, against, a, against a, some of the traditions that the early Anabaptists were initially responding to, um, a contention of like an only believism or a sense of like sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in the truth of the gospel. And that's the the beginning and the end and the sum total of what the Christian life is. It's just like hold fast to that truth. Um, and not then actualize it through, you know, like I think we read the book of James and we hear like, it is not through faith alone. Right. It's not through being alone. It's through, you know, I'll show you my faith by what I do. To which Martha said, amen, <laughs> brother James, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's both and, you know. Um, and, I, and right now, for, for me, one of the things I'm, I'm fighting in some, some contemporary Christian thought that I'm getting from different angles um, is the idea of um, turn off your brain, and go with other parts of you and stuff. And um, I, 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 just, I just cringe at that because I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's through my brain that I'm connecting with God. Do you know what I mean? And I understand that sometimes what they're saying is, you know, you can know about Jesus, but you don't know him. So it's not just head knowledge. And I get that, that it's not head knowledge. Um, but... I yeah I just hear um, in several places that I'm supposed to turn off my brain and use other parts of my body or spirit or person to to connect with Jesus and it you know I just like ah, what are you saying I can't do that you know um, but that but to do some of that was like why I sometimes turned to um, trying to stimulate myself in other ways than just through reading, whether it's out in nature or whether it was coloring the mandalas. I wish that word would come to me. Um, But in the end, it's interesting because then I always do end up writing about it, which is certainly my brain engaging. And it's very, very hard for me not to have that aspect. I think it's a part of the body thing in some ways or... For some folks, being is going to be their default mode. Like it's, it's, you don't have to will yourself to spend time in study and being at the feet of Jesus and thinking Mm -hmm. and engaging your mind in those ways. Um, For other folks, you know, we lose them immediately at that kind of like, you know, they want to get up and go and do. And and, um, I think both of those folks need one another, right? If they're different parts of the body. Um, there's some churches, there might be folks in our church who would be more than content to do a Bible study together with other believers long term and, and kind of just continue on that. Um, and there's absolutely a place for that and there needs to, and there's some folks that are out doing constantly put, you know, pounding the bricks, doing things for Jesus that ought to stop sometimes and come back and study a little more before they go and do, right? Um, 
but sometimes that Bible study also needs to be, you know, shaken a bit out of the the comfort of that moment into, you know, um, are we are we stopping to help the poor as frequently as we're reading about how we should stop to help the poor? Yeah. Right. No. Exactly. Um. Because I, you're right. I'm, I'm more of a sitter and, and beer. Um, and that's why this podcast episode is actually a staged <laughs> intervention for you. Thank both. you. <laughs> um, but I absolutely agree. You need the doing, and I think sometimes what I need to see for myself is where is my doing, and then I can get very critical because oh, I can look at other people who are more doers and they're doing and doing and doing and doing and I'm not nearly there. Um, but but it, it doesn't have to be programmatic doing either, you know. So when I take the time to have a Bible study on Zoom with some friends, okay, that's Bible study, but the one friend has been extremely isolated in COVID for their own family medical reasons and stuff. And so that Bible study is more than just an intellectual exercise to study the Bible. It is supporting a friend in a time of real need and isolation and its connection. And so there are, there, there are doings, um, you know, and just, just supporting friends and your own family is part of it too. I, I don't want to minimize it. <laughs> and I don't want to sound like I'm rationalizing, but on the other hand, I can get down on myself for certain things and, you know, or, or, or think that even all the Bible study has to result in a thing, in something as opposed to the being thing. And, um, I mean, I, I really, I've, I've taken about 10 or 12 courses through the BICS um, directed study program. And like once somebody said, well, what, what'll, what'll that do for you? Will you get a certificate? We, I said, I don't, even if I do, I, the certificate's not going to do anything. I'm, I'm just doing this for whatever. And, and I thought about that and I, I think I really heard God said, it's okay to do this just to get to know me better and I'm like okay you know and I was kind of complaining to a girlfriend this week about different things I said well God did say that one time and you know she just said well if you heard that she goes I'd run with it you know <laughs> and not not be down that I'm not building houses somewhere for yeah. somebody um but none of that none of that do I want to say as therefore I don't have to do something. Do you know it, it's both. It's the doing, following Jesus is the being and the doing. Yeah. They have to come together. But I some of my doing would not be as um visible as other people's doing. Yeah. And that's where I think the I have a few thoughts. The body image is always um the body metaphor is always instructive here, right? You know, it's uh, different parts are doing different things and it's still valuable, you know. Mm -hmm. um, while it might at first blush seem like a bit of a cop-out answer, but 
you know, in Acts 6 when Peter says, like, we can't be waiting all these tables because we need to devote ourselves to teaching. There's a part of me that's like, Peter, <laughs> come on. Uh, couldn't even make one PB&J. And now you, uh, now you won't wait the tables either. But um, let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he's right, that his role in the body at that point was to be teaching and learning. Um, so there is that, you know what I mean? And so you are in your life of learning and quote-unquote being, um, you are also serving the church more broadly in obvious ways and in not obvious ways. Um, that's a part of it. Um, I have two other thoughts. The first one is uh, probably this whole being-doing dichotomy is like false in the end. Yes. Um, so we can say that, and that might have been like really... Uh, uh, a spur in your, what is the saying? A burr in your butt or something throughout this podcast to somebody <laughs> listening. But that's, I don't think that's a saying. It is now. Don't sit on burrs. Um, but it's probably a false dichotomy in the first place. But I love that, that also that word that you received that, you know, it doesn't need to be this productive thing. Isn't that the point of the Mary story to some degree is like, it doesn't, the study doesn't have to, I don't need to be able to draw a straight line from my, from my time with God, whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. to it's like efficient effect in the world for like Mm -hmm. kingdom advancement or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. You know, some things are just good because they are. And and Mm -hmm. certainly spending time with the Lord is one of those. So you think of Mary at the feet of Jesus. And then you think of another woman at the feet of Jesus pouring out the alabaster jar of perfume or ointment or whatever it was. Um, you know, the first thing out of the disciples' mouths, Judas's mouth, is, you know, think of how much, how far that could have gone in selling it for the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus, you know, waves him off and and assures that her story will be told always, and that there's, you know, mm-hmm. um, we have to keep that before us too. If we're Christians that are tempted towards privileging doing. Um, and even in our being, sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, wanting to justify those times of being by what we also are doing. Um, Jesus says, no, it's good that she just, quote unquote, wasted all of this perfume, pouring it on my feet, um, because I am Jesus. <laughs> I am God and yeah. I'm worth it, right? Yeah. And he has that odd phrase in there, um, as it's preparation for his burial. Right. And, you know, I, 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 I wonder about that, you know. It's, it was that just kind of metaphorical or gee, did that oil help somehow when he was dead those couple days there? <laughs> you know, like was that, you know? Um, but yeah, she did that lavish act out of love and he's worthy of that, you know? But when you were talking about the body of Christ and we all have our different parts, um, recently I just, I just had this thought like, I wonder if I'm, or not all, I'll just say, I wonder what it's, let me see if I can put this in the best way. Um, what if you're the appendix of the body? You know, you're not sure why you're here and you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, but you're showing up, you know, you're there. Um, and if you quit and stop faithfully showing up, like the whole thing could uh, be jeopardized immediately, right? Yeah, so it's just, it was just an interesting thought of all the parts of the body. Well, what if you're the appendix? You're not the, you're at least a, a tonsil. <laughs> <laughs> Things that can be removed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. Um, no, no, that is an interesting. Um, that is an interesting thought. And like, I, I just, I love that body metaphor, and I keep coming back to it. And you know, what Paul says about it in different times of like the, the parts that we consider disgraceful or of lesser value are actually of like greater value and ought to be like protected and shielded. He might have been talking about like private parts in that scenario. I'm not, sh- I'm not really sure, but at any rate, um, yeah, whatever our disposition as a Christian, um, whatever the proclivity that we're bringing to the table and within the context of the church, at the very least, we ought not, um, disparage ourselves or think less Mm -hmm. of ourselves for that, whether we're Mary, whether we're Martha, um, whatever we do or don't feel we're bringing to the table. Appendix, explore that metaphor if you want, dear <laughs> listener. Um, so in terms of discipleship, um, as you look out at the church, and that could be HBIC, that could be the church at large, um, what do you see lacking, or what would you hope to see uh, revived or fanned into flame in the next five, ten years. <laughs> one one thing that I would like to see more, and I don't know if it's it's not happening because of our complicated lives, but I would really like to see congregation members exercising their gifts as a way of their discipleship. Um, I'm very egalitarian in my outlook. Um, and I didn't even necessarily quite realize that until Andy and I were in marriage counseling and, uh, Dr. Ives, some of you would know him, um, pastor, longtime pastor at Grantham, uh, teaching at Messiah College. He just handed me back my little survey he had us take, and he said, this is the most egalitarian survey I have ever seen. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So even though, like, I think people are called into leadership, well, I know they're called into leadership into the church, and and there should be pastors, and there should be preachers and, and all that. But I do think one of the main things pastors should be doing is equipping, and that's kind of biblical, I can't give you the quote right now or where it is, but for the equipping and raising up the congregation in the church. And I I just think more congregational people could be exercising their discipleship if they were given places to exercise their gifts. And then I run into the problem of a lot of our congregational members are extremely busy and tied up in work, and it's not as idealistic as I would like it to be. And because I was a stay-at-home mom for so long, I did have that freedom to to give to the church in so many different ways. Um, and I, I, that's I just wish we could all do more. <laughs> the way I think we're supposed to, instead of depending so much on certain people to do so much. And that usually tends to fall on paid staff. Um, Which I think is a, can be a, a vicious cycle, and I don't know where the cycle started, but like, as people are busier and can contribute as much, 
staff starts doing do more, more and as staff starts doing more people are disincentivized to contribute because they're like well they seem to have it under control right and we're paying them so <laughs> um yeah. so i don't know where that where the who, which one's the chicken and which one's the egg in this particular scenario yeah. but I, and i don't either and i and i understand it do you know what i mean right. i see it and i get it um but then i would just say too on a different um, answer to your question um what i would like to see is I mean, how can you not want revival? You know, how, how can you not want um, those of us who are already Christians to get deeper and higher um, and, and those who don't know the peace of Christ to, to come into that and to come into the kingdom? How can you not want that to happen? And even in our very pluralistic society where I don't feel I have a right to push anything on anybody, well, and I don't think we should anyway, but um, I, I think right now we're a little bit more, at least I am, more silenced um, in public spheres than I think we used to be, not wanting to say things, not wanting to offend anybody. Um, but it, I even as a young child, I mean, I, I, I <clears throat> answered an altar call when I was young, before I was a teenager, and I really, I can't say I walked away from the altar changed. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're a good little 11-year-old, you probably walked away still, you know. But I can distinctly remember a day when I, I just stopped in my tracks and I thought, oh, I am more peaceful inside. That must be Jesus. And I'm sure that was the Holy Spirit witnessing to me because I literally walked away that night not knowing if anything changed. Do you know what I mean? I just I didn't feel it. Um, and I think that was his way of witnessing to me. And I've lived in that peace so long, I can forget that others don't, you know. Um, so, yeah, why wouldn't I want them? Why wouldn't I want everybody to be a part of that? Even though I'm not an evangelist myself. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Um, well, I, I join your prayer for revival. Uh, I wonder if um, I wonder if your two desires for the future are linked in some ways. I think people getting I, I think one way to see revival happen hopefully is for people to get off the quote unquote bench and and, and be involved, not necessarily in carrying out the programmed ministries of the local church. Mm -hmm. But I think revival, one way it happens is as individuals are uh, moved from passive to active participants in the mission of God in the world um, and, and are enlivened by the Spirit and realize like, oh, I can and ought to be doing and being, mm -hmm. but let's stick with the doing for the moment. Um you know, I ought to be getting into the mix and involved there as well, this whole body, the priesthood of all believers. When revivals happen, historically, um, they often are moments in which, uh, I want to say, inclusivity is wrapped up. That feels like a loaded term. It might not be the one I want. But you think of, like, the Azusa Street Revival, the beginning of Pentecostalism at the early 20th century, the beginning of modern Pentecostalism. Um was marked by, look at what 
women are doing and saying and look at what uh, our african-american brothers and sisters are doing and saying it's a fulfillment of joel's prophecy of like your young men will dream dreams and your etc will mm -hmm. you know um everyone mm -hmm. you know in revival um the whole community of christ is um is active and activated and is mm -hmm. is is working and using their gifts that's what happened at azusa street right that's right. what happens when we look at asbury and we see young people college students stepping up to lead that that was one of the insistences that the leadership at asbury had as this revival unfolded was no this is the the students thing we're not right. letting such and such person from this famous church down the road or um this uh news station come and commandeer and start leading this thing because that is also what happens in revivals that's what happened with you know azusa street like early pentecostals and we enjoyed 10 15 years of this kind of egalitarian um multi-ethnic uh charismatic movement um and then suddenly you have the Assemblies of God and the Church of God in Christ splitting, you know, being two separate entities. And you have racial division and, and um, gender division reinstating mm -hmm. itself. Um, yeah. And, and I think what you said, too, about um, congregants moving out into the world and, and witnessing or however, um, you know, that's... I mean, I can see that as a as a correction to some of my thoughts that if you're active, you you have to be using your gifts, like in the church and programmatically, and that's not true. If you're you can be equipped to go out and to know, and I and I guess maybe there's some of that going on at our church right now, teaching so that when you go out in the workplace, when you go out at the restaurant, when you go out wherever you're going out to the park, um, that you can have have that ministry there just by being who you are and being with the people you're at and, and being that witness, both silent and maybe verbal, um, yeah. about Jesus. And that, that, yeah, my wanting congregants to be more active doesn't mean they have to be active in church program they don't yeah. have to be active here they can be active and they should be i mean i guess that well, that's a shift in thinking that i think is is happening in some places in the church and hopefully will be happening here that it, that increasingly that's not necessarily what we mean by exercising your gifts at hbic it's not necessarily so sign up for kidsmen although patty would love for you to sign up for kidsmen um <laughs> And, and we're not going to stop gathering and we're not going to stop right. having the ministries of the church and the different things that we're doing. But increasingly, I think, and I would hope to see, we are conceiving of ourselves as a an equipping and ascending entity as much as we are a gathering and worshiping entity. We're an equipping and sending entity. It's the difference between being, let me see if I can get these words right, centrifugal, where centrifugal, like where everything's kind of being pulled into the center versus centripetal. Am I, do I have this right? I'm like thinking it's the opposite, but I don't, I can't, I don't have that okay, <laughs> knowledge. Well, it's a similar idea. <laughs> yeah, we got circles with circles. spokes either way. And yeah. in one, the spokes are like being pulled, everyone's being pulled along those spokes towards the center. <laughs> and in the other, the, just you reverse the direction and we are from the center okay. um, extending out into the world. Yeah. Um, 
I would hope that that's, you know, an image that we are increasingly living into. It's a, it's another both and it's a being and doing full circle Mm -hmm. with the circle. Uh, it's being and doing right. That we gather, we worship, we're with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and that in and of itself is a good and beautiful thing as the bride and body of Christ gathers. Um, and also we are continue to be a sent people that extend the love and grace we experience here to wherever we then go. Right. And, and to understand sending as into my own neighborhood, not that I have to leave this country and go to another country. I mean, that happens. Um, but most of us aren't called to do that. You know, we're to go into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, into our hospitals, wherever, Mm -hmm. um, schools, yeah, so. there's a, uh, and I'll leave us with this, that it's, I think it's Mark 5, I'm not sure, where the Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee and finds the demon-possessed man and heals him, and the man wants to follow and jump in with, you know, Jesus' right. followers, and he says, like, no, like, go back to your home, you know. Jesus right. often is doing that, but I think there's something we can read in there of, like, he sends him back, you know, and the man goes and testifies and, and spreads the gospel in his yeah. community, right. uh, the story of his changed life. And yeah, I agree. I think mm-hmm. sending is not always and only to, to far off, far flung places. It's you, you're already sent. Um, mm-hmm. and may we be faithful there. Lois, thank you. Okay. Not all of these thoughts are fully baked or cooked, so... And the Harrisburg Brethren Christ Church is not liable for any of the views (laughs) and thoughts found herein, nor is Andy Saylor. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you.